together. Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Friends, I'm sorry. I thought we had a shot. There's just too many of them. But there are more of us, Bo. There are more of us. Look at this. Look at this. What is going on, Kansas City? A happy hump day, baby. As you can tell, a different kind of intro today. You know why? Because this is a different kind of show, an important kind of show. I am a leader with KC Tenants, Kansas City's official tenant union. Yesterday, went to City Hall. My brothers, my sisters, my comrades, we got one step closer to banning source of income discrimination in this It would be the strongest source of income discrimination ban in the goddamn country. Now, if you're in the car right now and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know what that means. Don't even sweat it. Source of income discrimination basically means that a landlord can discriminate against you, treat you differently based off of how you pay your rent. Even though you can pay it, in some cases, you might even have co-signers. So if you're on a voucher, right, commonly referred to as Section 8, or maybe you are a veteran, or maybe you are a college student, or maybe you are a black single mom in Kansas City, who, by the way, is the most targeted in a world that allows source of income discrimination. So on the show today, you're going to hear from five voices, five female voices. I tried to weave their lived experiences in a coherent (laughs) narrative. I think it turned out pretty good. I will let you be the judge of that. We were able to get this ordinance out of committee yesterday. So it is headed to the city council floor for a full vote. We need seven. We need seven. Let's bring it across the finish line. So we're going to hit play on this. Of course, I got some music for you afterwards, and I'm going to come back. We got more on this. Stack show, y'all. It's a good show. It's a Kansas City show on this good day to be a Kansas Cityan. Absolutely. This right here. It's your KC Morning Show.
Peace and blessings, everyone. My name is Ashley Johnson. I use she, they pronouns. I'm a community organizer, and I'm a leader with KC Tennis. Imagine being 21 years old, and your partner is getting ready to do their time for their acts of survival. You will be left all alone for the next two years. All right. This was me in 2005. I was eight months pregnant, and I had no support. So I applied for housing assistance. I had to wait two years to get a voucher. That is right. I was so relieved when I finally found a cute two-bedroom apartment for me and my child. I told my landlord that I had a voucher, and they assured me that they knew the process, and things would flow smoothly. It didn't. That apartment, it failed its inspection three times. That is right. I was looking for other places to live, but none of them would accept me. My voucher was a risk at inspiring. I will have to start all over again. I contacted over 55 rental properties just to be told, at this time, we are not taking voucher holders. Eventually, my daughter and I were unhoused because no landlord would accept my housing voucher. When I was organizing with the homeless union, I met a ton of people who had vouchers, but no place to use them. They'd be so excited to show me their paperwork. They had what they needed to pay for a place. But because landlords here in KC can use that extermination. But they had nowhere to go because no one would take their source of income. Most folks that's affected by source of income discrimination are black mothers like me. People with disabilities and folks who are already exploited in a million other ways here in this country. I need the city council to ban source of income discrimination once and for all. No family should have to go through what my family went through. I believe we can have a better Kansas City. I believe that we can have a better Kansas City. I am proud to organize alongside you all to make sure we get there. Thank you so much. I was raised in the foster care system. So nothing is more important to me than my daughters having the stability I didn't have as a child. Right. To me, stability means having a place to call home. One that is safe, accessible, affordable. A place that I chose with my own free will. Right. I am sad to say that stability is not what I have to offer my daughters today. I use a Section 8 voucher. I didn't choose the house I live in today. I lived there because my voucher was three days away from expiring and I had nowhere else to go. That ain't right. I spent my last dollars on a hotel room. My landlord knew exactly how desperate I was and exploited that. Why should it matter where you get your money from if you can pay your rent? The truth is simple. Many landlords believe awful stereotypes about people using vouchers. 
They say that we're lazy. They say that we're violent or destructive. They say that we're moochers or that we'll ruin the character of the neighborhood. I've heard these things said about me and people like me, and it's not right. It ain't right. It ain't right. Yes, I use a voucher. I'm also a single mom, and I homeschool my two daughters. I work hard, and I'm smart. My money is just as good as anyone else's. Hi, my name is Maya. I'm an organizer with Casey Tenants. We are currently organizing to win a ban on source of income discrimination in Kansas City. Source of income discrimination is when a landlord refuses to rent to someone based solely on how they earn their income. This often looks like landlords posting ads that say we don't rent to Section 8 voucher holders or denying potential tenants based on earning Social Security income, disability, or earning tipped wages. This form of discrimination most deeply impacts people like me, Black single moms. To be clear, this is modern day redlining. Our city council is currently working on passing an ordinance written by black women and tenants in Kansas City that would ban source of income discrimination for good. However, many landlords are flooding city council emails doing everything in their power to keep this form of discrimination legal. They are using ugly racist stereotypes to justify their opposition to this law passing and we need your help. Black women in Kansas City have drafted a letter asking city council members to vote in support of banning source of income discrimination in Kansas City. We are calling on black women in Kansas City to sign on to this letter and let our city council members know that this is a critical step to righting the wrong of racial injustice in this city. Please visit our link to sign on and show your support of banning source of income discrimination in Kansas City. Janae Manley and I'm a leader and organizer with KC Tenants. Um, KC Tenants has been organizing for a ban on source of income for the last couple months and we're really excited that that will be going in front of City Council this Tuesday. So you might be asking what is a ban on source of income discrimination? Really what it means is that landlords cannot discriminate against tenants based on how they make their money. So whether you are living on a housing Section 8 voucher or a VA voucher, whether you get Social Security, you're working for cash tips or a gig worker, a landlord can't say, I will not rent to you because of how you, how you get your money. And this is a really important policy specifically for black women because what we know is a majority of the women, uh, a, majority of, a majority of the people who are on a voucher are black mothers. So when we think about who is most impacted by it, it's black moms. And I'm actually really excited that Uzazi Village is standing in solidarity with KC tenants and showing up with us to ban source of income discrimination. Mama Hakima, you um, signed our letter saying that we wanted to ban source of income discrimination. Why was that? I not only signed the letter, I will also be at City Hall tomorrow on Tuesday to testify. Uh, and we absolutely stand in solidarity with KC tenants for this ban on source of income discrimination because it has such a huge impact. working on a campaign to ban source of income discrimination here in Kansas City. Source of income discrimination is when landlords discriminate against you based on how you make your money through assistant vouchers or cash tip wages or self-employment gigs. I'm Jewel Dunlap and
and I'm a leader with Casey Tenants. My mother was a voucher holder. I faced homelessness multiple times as a child because of private landlords not taking vouchers. Upon me meeting homelessness in 2022, I received a voucher. I had proof of income and I had an organization willing to pay the deposit and six months rent, but not a single landlord that would take that. In a world where source of income discrimination is banned, it gives people trying to help themselves the courage to get the help they need. My message to the Kansas City City Council, if you want stability, a society in Kansas City that builds each other up, it needs to start with this source of income discrimination ban so we can get up off the ground and stand together. Tell me brother, can I feel your heart? Tell me brother, can we start? People high up are planning many things See the sun in your smile as they try to clip your wings Tell me brother, can you apply to acknowledge your dreams? It's your turn to fly Tell me brother, can you apply to acknowledge your dreams? It's your turn to fly Hate my brother, why you let them help you kill each other? We should come together, embrace and color. We should come together, work through the struggle. Hate my brother, can't you see them pinning us against each other? We should come together, embrace and color. We should come together, work through the struggle. There's no going back to a time when we were strong Our hearts tell a story, reaching through the pain And searching for glory, rip open the wounds Unsever all the knots, undo all the ties That are serving God I see you, my brother, I hold you, my sis Pick up one another, don't bask in the tricks That society has told us Always trying to mold us Never light enough but then so light that they can hold us Hold us behind bars or bar up my mind I'm speaking my truth cause this is the time Hey my brother, why you let them help you kill each other? We should come together, embrace and color We should come together, work through and struggle Hey, my brother, can't you see they're pinning us against each other? We should come together, embrace and color. We should come together, work through and struggle. Hey, my brother, hey, my brother, hey, my brother. Hey, my brother, hey, my brother, hey, my brother. Got to listen when your heart speaks It doesn't make you weak My brother, to listen when your heart speaks It doesn't make you weak My brother, to listen when your heart speaks It doesn't make you weak My brother, it doesn't make you weak
What's the word? My name's Hartzell. I'm back. I'm back. Mm. And I'm better than ever. Y'all know that one? All right. So up next, up next, we continue our coverage on what will hopefully be the strongest ban on source of income discrimination. A few weeks ago, we played that mini documentary that profiled Casey Tenets put on by Time Magazine, I believe. And if you remember, There were a few voices. I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying there were a few voices in that piece where, you know, if I'm driving in the car and I'm hearing those arguments and I'm hearing the way that they're making their argument, it would lead me to believe that these folks might be the bad guys. So uh, strap in back in your feeds tomorrow. Yeah, that's all I got. Let's hit play on this. KCUR is up to date with Steve Kraske. We will see you. In the morning. Bye. Today, with your support and the support of millions of people throughout our country, we begin a political revolution. The KC Morning Show. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas has put forward an ordinance that would ban discrimination against tenants who use housing choice vouchers, commonly known as Section 8. The citywide tenants union, KC Tenants, helped the mayor draft the legislation, and the group says banning source of income discrimination is the first step to providing affordable housing for working class tenants. If the ordinance makes it out of committee tomorrow, it'll be voted on this Thursday, December 14th, by the City Council. Advocates of the proposed legislation say it'll be the strongest ban on source of income discrimination anywhere in the country, but many landlords aren't happy with what this could mean for them. With us now to talk about this proposal, Stacey Johnson-Cosby is a local realtor and the president of the KC Regional Housing Alliance. She advocates for local landlords. Stacy, welcome back. Good to have you. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Brandon Henderson. He's the le- a leader with with KC tenants and help draft the ordinance. He's here to explain what this all could mean for tenants. Brandon, good to have you too. It's good to be back. Thanks, Steve. And also with us is Edwin Lowens. He's the executive director at the Housing Authority of Kansas City, Missouri. That's the group that runs the city's Section 8 program. Edwin, welcome. Good to have you back. Good morning. Well, Brandon, KC tenants, you know, helped craft this legislation the mayor has put forward here. What role exactly did you all play in getting this ordinance proposed? Right. So for folks who remember the mayor's inaugural address this year, uh, source of income discrimination and banning it was one of his top priorities before the end of his his second term. Right. Casey Tenants has worked on this issue before. The city came close to banning source of income discrimination back in 2019. When the Bill of Rights was passed. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so when we heard that this was a priority of the mayor, we immediately began going back to work meeting with tenants who are directly impacted by this issue, researching how other cities have drafted these policies, and then working in consultation with the mayor on the language that would be best for a draft ordinance that was ultimately you know, introduced a couple weeks ago. You're using this phrase, source of income discrimination. Give our, our listeners the Webster's Merriam Dictionary definition of what that is. Right. So in a nutshell, Source of income discrimination refers to the practice of landlords treating tenants differently based on how they pay rent, right? The most common example of this is when landlords categorically reject anybody who's using a housing choice voucher. 
But there are a lot of other ways that this discrimination plays out. I myself have experienced this discrimination, you know, back when I was a student at UMKC, actually. Um, I was also a soldier in the Missouri Army National Guard, and I had just come back from a month-long training exercise, and I was trying to find a place to rent before the start of the semester. I had a month's worth of active duty pay saved up. I had monthly drill checks that I could prove were coming in. I had just accepted a work study with the UMKC Chancellor's Office, and I had financial assistance from UMKC. All of that, plus two years of good rental history and a co-signer, and still, I could not find a place in this city that would accept me. Why not? Because there's this, this idea that if you're not working a salary job or a nine-to-five job, that you're somehow less reliable of a tenant um, than you would be if you were working one of those two, right. two jobs, right? right. Um, and so, this, this discrimination, again, it's really important to stress this, right? We're talking about folks who can pay the rent, they just get that money from someplace different than traditional avenues. Okay. Edwin, let me clarify a point here. Where does the law stand today? I mean, can landlords refuse to rent to someone with a housing choice voucher? Yes, it is. It, it is that landlord's choice to either accept um, the program or going into the program because the voucher under the voucher program, we actually have a contract with the landlord um, that sets forth uh, their participation in the program that we're paying the rent on behalf of a, a tenant that are having. So there's it's a three way relationship. We have uh, the participant in the program, landlord has a lease with the tenant, and then we have a contract with the landlord. And right now, that is completely voluntary. So, Stacy, help me here. Why would a landlord not want to take a housing choice voucher? What's the issue with them? Okay, there, <clears throat> there are several reasons. And first of all, keep in mind, we are in business to house people. That is the sole model of our business to provide housing. Um, and along those lines, we were not included in this conversation, or we could have shared with them early on that the issue may be it's not the tenant, but many people don't want to be forced to do business with the federal government. And the Housing Choice Voucher is a federal government program. What's and wrong so, with doing business with the federal government? Did, if you had a choice to do it in the open market or with the federal government, what would you choose? Many times what we find is there are administrative burdens that come with the red tape that comes with doing business um, you know, with a governmental entity. We have people that may apply on one day, and it may take, for whatever reason, up to two months to get them into the property and get that first month's rent. And some people cannot, um, you know, reject a payment for two months when they can go into the open market and rent the property in three or four days and get someone into the unit. Why wait if you don't have to? You're saying it's a hassle. It, it can be a hassle to do business yeah. with the government. Many of us know that about the program. And so we want to make it a choice. Let me, as the person who owns that investment, let me decide who I want to do business with and who I want to take the risk with financially. Because this is a business. It's not a charity. And it is an investment. And it's my investment you know, that I've paid for. And so let me choose who to do business with and how to screen them that can um, manage the risk level that I'm willing to take with the renter. We're creditors. If you think about it, if the rent is $1,000 a month, someone signs a 12-month lease, I'm loaning someone $12,000 and I will be comfortable with them before I put them in my unit because it costs a lot of money to get them out. So let me choose, just like the pro there's a program in Johnson County where it's a landlord incentive program where they entice the landlord and attract them to work with the program. But, but the issue, Stacy, is that some tenants are saying they can't get into housing because of the type of income they have. What do you say to that? You just heard Brandon explain that. Just like any other lender, to the 
bank? Can you go to the bank and, and make a sob story and say, I can't get a bank loan because of this? The bank knows what they're doing and how they evaluate um, the people they're going to extend credit to. The same applies to housing providers. I get to choose who comes into my unit that's going to be, um, that's going to be responsible for paying me for 12 months. It's my choice. And if I want to do business with a federal government program that has all of the red tape <laughs> that comes with doing business with a bureaucracy, then that's my choice. My husband and I are in a position where we're willing to do that. I can wait two months, um, but not everyone can. It should be a choice. There are people who have mortgages and other costs on the programs. And we know now that the property taxes increase the amount um, that it takes to do business. So it's a choice and a risk level that the owner of the property has the choice to make. You're not going to force me to, to um, ruin my investment. That's generational wealth going to my next generation. Brandon, is our KC tenant saying that it should not be a choice of the landlord who that person rents to? What KC tenants is saying, and frankly, what the mayor is saying, is if you are screening a tenant and that tenant meets all of your screening criteria, the only difference between them and somebody that may have a salary is that they're you know, a tipped worker or they have a voucher. You cannot use their source of income against them during the screening process, right? The I, I want to circle back to something that that Stacy brought up, right? Which is this concept of you know us trying to to use folks as sob stories, right? To to garner sympathy for this issue. I mean, it's a bit insensitive, one, but two, there's a real economic cost to this discrimination here in Kansas City, right? Nobody would disagree that we have a housing crisis in this city. There are many folks on the street who do not have to be on the street, who, but who are there because they could not find someone who would accept their voucher before that voucher expired. Somebody that comes to mind is one of our leaders in KC Tenants, Ashley. Ashley, when she had a voucher, contacted over 55 different rental properties in Kansas City looking for somebody who would accept her. She couldn't find anyone. She was eventually homeless she had to sell her van, which is the only means of transporting herself to work and her children to school. Her children inevitably suffered in class as a result of this. There are so many spin-off negative effects of this discrimination, right? And those have a cost to the city of Kansas City, right? What we're saying is, why don't we tackle this problem on the front end, right? Rather than wait until folks are in the middle of crisis and having to, you know, respond in a way that usually is more expensive than if we would just let these folks get housed in the first place. Yeah, but maybe this is a good time to talk about how these housing vouchers work to begin with, because if I understand right, you're on a waiting list and it, that yes. waiting list could last a year or two or three. And then you, once you get a voucher, you've got something like 30 days to go out and find a landlord who will accept that voucher so you can move into their property. You're right. <clears throat> we have over uh, 17,500 families on our voucher wait list right now and it could 17, be 17,500 yes why aren't there more vouchers well because it is a federal program and we're allocated uh, not only a specific number of vouchers but also a specific budget that we have to work within um, currently we spend over 50 million dollars uh, each year in our voucher program just here in Kansas City and that's our where we spend 99 point whatever percent of our total budget. So that's why we can't issue more vouchers because we have no additional funds. 
To your point, once we issue a voucher, they actually have 90 to 120 days to use that voucher. That's the the start of it. Three, So three to four months. Three to then. four months. And based on individual circumstances, they can ask for an extension of that voucher. Um, oftentimes, it has to do with the individual circumstances of that uh, family, uh, whether they need a large size bedroom, they need particular uh, disability issues or other aspects of it. So we're very uh, flexible in, in granting extensions. But that's the, on our part. We screen for eligibility in the program, which is set by federal law. But then it's up to the landlord then to screen based on their criteria, whether or not they want to, A, accept that particular tenant or accept a voucher. The, the advantage to a landlord, if I understand correctly, Edwin, is that this is guaranteed rent. Once someone's in the program, the government's going to pay that rent for that particular tenant. That is correct. Uh, we, as I mentioned earlier, we enter into a contract with that landlord, and as long as the landlord um, enforces the terms of their lease, which we have to make sure meet all the federal requirements. They maintain the unit in a proper um, inspect. We inspect them for housing quality standards. Then we will pay that portion of the rent. The tenant pays based on their income and roughly 30% of their income. And uh, that means they may pay, you know, $50. They may pay $1,000 depending on what the rent is and what their income is. We pay the balance of that directly to the landlord each month. So part of this program involves an inspection of the property to make sure it, it meets code. That's correct. It has to be inspected before the tenant moves in. And then it also is inspected at least once each year. So if this program passes, then there'll be new pressures on your agency to get out and inspect lots more units, right? Based on the number of vouchers that we have on the streets and landlords coming in, yes, that would, we would have to increase our number of inspections per month. Do you have the capacity to do that? Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. that's not an issue. No, I don't believe that's an issue. Yeah. And we, there are uh, different different opportunities in the inspection world that even through the federal government, they've opened a flexibility up that certain inspections can be even done remotely. It's a carryover from the COVID years that we can take advantage of. So we don't even necessarily have to send an individual out. You can walk through a unit with a camera and see if it's Correct. reading code or not. It also gives us the flexibility to use other inspections. For instance, if they have low-income housing tax credits and that uh, agent state agency has inspected or the city has come in and done an inspection we can adopt the findings of those stacy what else uh what other other concerns are you hearing from landlords in kansas city about this legislation well several things and i want to come back and talk about the insensitivity if i can touch on that really quickly um to accuse me of being insensitive is absolutely wrong my husband and i have been providing housing for over 25 years to people who need housing in our city we have heard stories of people in the beginning we were you know willing to rent to almost to anyone that had a sob story i'm going to use that word again um, and then that burned us we got burned and so we have to be careful in our screening and the lesson that we learned is that we we have to carefully screen to make sure that that person is going to be successful in the rental unit. Um, I, um, My parents are veterans, sisters are veterans, and we housed formerly homeless veterans through the Section 8 program. And so my husband and I are willing to do that. But it comes with, um, you have to have a heart for it. You can't force someone that's not willing to work with a governmental agency. And in some cases, some of the tenants have, you know, special needs beyond the, the regular everyday tenant. 
um, we've had tenants, and we talked about the the um, the regular rent that's coming in, the guaranteed rent. We had some tenants that were both in a duplex, both on the voucher program. They got into a fight. One of them ended up in the hospital, the other in jail. And we were stuck with them in that unit. We could not remove them until we can get through the eviction process. And to this day, one of those tenants still owes us three months worth of rent that we'll never see. But what's the concern for landlords, though, if the government is going to guarantee rent? I mean, that's that's a pretty nice uh, uh, piece of security for a landlord, right. I isn't ju- it? I just explained. When they get kicked off the program, if something should happen, then the rent is no longer guaranteed. So I'm stuck in a unit with a person who could not pay their rent for three months. That's three months worth of rent that I will never see. So it's not guaranteed. It depends on the renter and it depends on the situation. But so rent is not- never guaranteed, though, is it? When, when, so that is the whole point of sc- properly screening someone. If we have someone that's been on a job long term and they, they have a previous history of making their rent payments on time, job is secure, then my, I'm going to take a chance with that person. And the rent pretty much is guaranteed um, because their history shows that they're going to pay it. And my screening um, pretty much predicts who's going to pay it. And I must do that for the soundness of my business. Again, a business, you're not going to force me to accept someone into my property that I don't want there because I don't want to participate in a governmental program. But Steve, that's not the only issue with this ordinance. You said, what is my problem with it? The source of income trying to force a person, a regular person to enter into a contract with the federal government is unconstitutional, is not acceptable. Entice me, provide bonuses or say, hey, we want to work with you, just like Johnson County does. They provide a two-month rent bonus if you're willing to participate in the program and some other things. Let's look at it that way instead of spending money on investigators to try to catch me and put me out of business. But the other problems with this particular ordinance that people aren't talking about is that they want us, they want to ban the use of credit scores and they want to ban the use of looking at arrest and, and criminal history. They want to ban the use of being able to income qualify the person and make sure that the money is coming from legal sources and that they're earning enough. History tells us that a person is going to be successful if they can, if their um, income is three times the rent amount. And this ordinance would not allow me to put that in place, that criteria in place. And it also- Steve, let me slow you down. I'm going to okay. break break apart some of the points that you're making here. Okay. Let's go back to the Johnson County point here. Ed, when there's this new program in Johnson County that gets more landlords to accept housing uh, choice vouchers by providing financial incentives, as Stacey just mentioned, is this something that could work in Jackson County? And why isn't that that part of this ordinance? Well, I don't know why it's not part. Or why it's not part of the the particular. You weren't involved in the writing of it, right? No, that's correct. And we weren't either. <laughs> um, but as far as would it would something like that work in Jackson County, or um, actually, it's beyond Jackson County. Our priority program is all of uh, Kansas City corporate city limits, so it goes up into um, Clay and, and Platte County as well. My understanding is the Johnson County uh, version, they're using leftover uh, federal funds through COVID funding as well as some other grant funding. So if we had a funding source, we would absolutely want to jump on that type of incentive uh, to work with landlords. Both not but, only but apparently Jackson County doesn't have that. That's correct. Mm-hmm. They, they currently don't have a program for that. I think it's something that has been contemplated, uh, whether using the housing trust fund that is now coming into being. They're still looking at different ways of using that. I think it's an opportunity, but it's not just a, uh, a signing bonus aspect of it. It's also some of the things that have been discussed is a mitigation fund. What happens when you have, you know, at, otherwise at risk or marginal ind- individuals that are on our program that how else do I incentivize a landlord to accept them into the program? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if there's a possibility of damages or otherwise, there's a mitigation fund that could be used. Those are incentives aspects that would be in addition 
to this type of program, a source of income. We'll be back in just a minute. Edwin, I'm still confused on a basic point. I mean, Stacy just threw out a number of things that landlords could no longer use source of income as a factor in deciding who they rent to or maybe even criminal history. Would a landlord under this ordinance have any discretion to reject someone for uh, an apartment under this new law? Well, uh, my, there's a number of caveats in it. They just source of income alone, um, wherever that source of income, that would be prohibited that you, if they based on all their different sources of income, can rent, similar to what Brandon was saying. They so couldn't are you, so you're it. basically taking the word of the, te- of the prospective tenant that he or she could, in fact, afford the, the apartment? Well, from our standpoint on the voucher, it, it shows they have a voucher. So that's evidence that there is that financial support. But not everyone has a voucher, and Correct. this would affect those people, too. That's my understanding, yes. Uh, and, the, and the landlord would not have any ability to, to examine source of income, whether someone can actually pay the rent month in and month out under this new law. Well, they'd still be able to review a credit history and so forth, but there's a number of additional steps that they would have to go through to justifying a decision that they're making based on that credit history or a criminal background check. That's, I think, the that's the one issue that we have with the ordinance, the way it's currently written. It's beyond the source of income. We support the source of income piece. That, that would help our voucher holders obtain. But it's when they you go beyond that that I think there is a concern. Explain that to me. You go beyond that. That means well, what? Criminal background checks. Um, currently, we have to do criminal background checks for eligibility. It's, it's focused very narrowly on, for instance. To uh, be in the Section 8 program. To be in the voucher program, yes. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we have an automatic, you know, there's two lifetime bans that are aspects through federal law that I don't have to go any further than that if they're on the sexual predator list or if they've been convicted of manufacturing methamphetamine on federal property. That's um, an automatic ban. That's something the way this current ordinance is written doesn't necessarily it's not clear whether or not a landlord could do that as well and say these are types of individuals that i won't accept um that there's a those additional steps in there that i think is is concerning to us so you're saying that some landlords might have trouble rejecting somebody if they have an extensive criminal history for instance that's our concern yes yeah brandon why don't you respond to that I'll respond to that. And there's a lot that I also need to respond to, Steve, because honestly, there's a lot of misinformation flying about this policy, what it intends to do, how it's written. So let me let me start with um, Stacy's argument that this removes screening tools that landlords can use to assess their tenants. It doesn't. Mayor Lucas has been very clear as well that this ordinance does not eliminate credit checks or background checks, or reviewing somebody's prior rental history. So under this new ordinance, a landlord could reject someone if the landlord believes the tenant, the potential tenant, couldn't pay the rent month in and month out. Yes. What this ordinance adds is that in addition to considering adverse events in somebody's life, they also need to consider supplemental materials that may either explain some of those adverse events in their life or offer up some some other rationale as to why they would be a reliable person to to rent to, right? There's so, nothing. So, so, so a potential tenant has a chance to respond to that in a way and say, hey, wait a minute, I, I have income from this source, this source, and this source. Exactly. What we're trying to say is you cannot categorically exclude somebody because they do not have a credit score from from renting at your or from applying to rent at your apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I wanna I wanna address too. 
the Housing Authority has been engaged on this issue. Ed and I met in September to talk source of income discrimination policy. Casey Tenet's extended an invitation to Ed and the Housing Authority to meet and discuss the language of this ordinance the first week of November, to which Ed did not respond, right? Uh, we're not going to wait for one man to get their stuff together before we move on policy that, frankly, will change the lives of the people that Ed serves in this city. Ed, why don't you go ahead and respond to that? Well, there was an email that was sent to me. It was one that uh, either went through our spam mail or something. I didn't see it. but And we have been working with Casey Tennis. And as I mentioned previously, our conversations have been focused on the source of income aspects. The ordinance as written goes beyond that. That's where my concerns are. Stacy, you've mentioned a couple times this morning that your group was not brought into this conversation early enough to have some Im- uh, effective input into it. Tell me about that. What happened? Okay, so we are housing providers. If 46% of the um, citizens in Kansas City are renters, who's providing the housing for them? That's us. And the organization that I um, represent, the Casey Regional Housing Alliance, we um, have people who own one to two properties all the way to multifamily buildings. And we represent collectively through our various memberships over 100,000 rental units in our region. So we are the experts in rental housing, and we are the voice of rental housing providers. And so when you put policies, and this is a problem with City Hall, when they write policies, housing policies, we need to be at the table. How do you, you know, during COVID, when they have, they're writing policies around um, COVID, they had the medical professionals at the table. We are the experts. And I'm not sure if Brandon has owned rental property before, if he owns it, but there's a, a perspective. I have, I have the lived experience of being a renter. But Steve, I also, could I respond to that? I also have the lived Just experience. Just hang on a second. So Brandon, quickly, and, I want to come back to Stacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have my lived experience as a tenant in this city and as somebody who's organized with tenants in this city impacted by this issue, right? It is hard for me to accept that, quote unquote, experts um, on this issue do not have a basic grasp on what this ordinance does and does not do, right? And the, the thing I also want to name too Over 57% of voucher holders in the United States live in a jurisdiction with a ban on source of income discrimination, right? If you were to take the word of some of the folks uh, with the most loud opposition to this ordinance, right, you would think that we're trying to bring the next wave of communism into Kansas City, right? Socialism. And it's just not true. It's something that 20 other states in the country have addressed, 120 other cities or counties have addressed it's common sense policy. I was just going to bring up that point, Stacy. We've seen this in more than a hundred cities across the country. This ban on source of income for the, the, the questions that landlords have to make about who they're going to rent to. I haven't heard of problems in those cities. So what, what's the concern? And so, and of course, I have because I'm in the industry and I'm connected to my peers who provide housing across the country. And what we know is that, that it doesn't work. It may be in place on the books, but it's not actually helping the renter that needs help. That's what I want to talk about. So like I said, again, I have lived experiences being a renter, but then I made a decision along with my husband to enter into the business of providing housing for those that need it. If there's a housing policy that's being created, we need to be at the table. It would be smart to have those of us who have the product that we need at the table. Why would you not? And so in this particular case, the funding in this ordinance, if you read it, is to be um, to put in place to have people come investigate us. They have funding for billboards and radio ads and, and all of those things. That money is better spent to participate in a program like Johnson County where you incentivize the housing provider to say, here's why you should participate in the program. Okay. And, Let and me come back to another point that Brandon made, and that is landlords are not using all of their discretion when it comes to who 
you can decide to rent to of and who you're not. Of course so we are. So what about that? We're, we're, of course we are. We're business people. Like I said, we're in the business to house people. When someone presents themselves to me that wants to rent my vacant unit, I want someone in that unit. But I have to be smart about who I put in there. This ordinance would have me accepting anyone that presented themselves to me. That's and not true. But if, Brandon's saying that's this, not true. But what I'm saying is, it, and it let me reject them. If I have two people in front of me, one is a person who is not with a voucher, doesn't have a voucher, and then the other person has a voucher. If I accept the person who's done everything the right way and took care of their business and paid their rent on time, has never been evicted, has a great credit score, if I chose them, then that person with the voucher can make a complaint against me. All it takes is a complaint, and then I have to defend myself. I have to then turn around and and say that I am not discriminating against them. Well, that can happen now, though, too. It, though, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't happen now because this law is not in place. This law extends to protected classes. You know, in, in addition to race, religion, familial status, this adds source of income as a protected status. And we already have fat, fair housing laws that we must follow. That says I must treat every single tenant the same. And this law, this source of income law, would cause me to treat them differently. And we always listen to the stories that they have. If someone says, you know, I've been evicted before, my first question, because my husband and I have ran into people with evictions who have felony records, but it's our choice. And if we're satisfied with their answers, we will choose to rent to them. This law forces me to have to say yes to them. And if I don't, I said, absolutely. And if I don't, I set myself up for- But that's not my reading of the ordinance either though, Stacey. I'm I'm reading it. it. And what what happens then, then your reading of the ordinance, have two people present themselves to me, the the person with the voucher, if I don't select them, they can then say, you discriminated against me, Stacey, because of my eviction history. And then I have to defend myself. I'm going to have to hire a lawyer to say that's not the case. Let me go to Edwin here. So your agency, I assume, will be in charge of enforcing this new law uh, to some extent. How's that going to play out? Well- First of all, my understanding it's it's the enforcement is actually through the city itself as well as through the health department. The housing authority would only be a uh, providing the information of a voucher holder that has been potentially uh, discriminated against by being rejected solely because they have the voucher. Mm-hmm. That would be the interaction that we would have in the enforcement. Hey, how effective do you think the enforcement can be in a situation like this based on your experience, Edwin? I think it'd be very tough because um, a landlord in uh, making the decision of whether or not to accept somebody makes that decision based on more things than just the voucher itself. We do know there's a number of landlords that that even advertise we do not take vouchers. It would affect them immediately um, that they wouldn't be able to say that and um, be able to reject somebody solely because um, partial payments coming through the voucher program. The rest of it really is, um, I, I don't have the, the the ability to say what that landlord's decision would be right. or why it would be and how it would be enforced. Brandon, let me come back to you about this notion that Stacey just threw out about uh, the fact this new ordinance would force landlords to accept people that they wouldn't necessarily want to rent to. Again, lay out your argument there. So to use Stacy's hypothetical, right? Let's say two people apply to an apartment. They are identical in every way. One of them has a voucher and one of them has a salary job, right? It would be discriminatory to treat the person with the voucher differently because they have a voucher, right? Now, in a different situation, there are two people applying. Let's say one has a nine to five job. The other has a voucher. Um, They are not identical though. Like there are other components to their application that would inform a landlord's decision to, to rent to them. It would not be discriminatory. If you chose to rent to the person with a nine to five job based on other reasons, such as, you know, poor references, poor rental history or whatnot. Right. What we're saying is when somebody meets your qualifications, you cannot then use their source of income 
as a reason to reject them, right? All we're asking for is a level playing field and fairness. And it's important that this, this issue is addressed, Steve, because the, the scope of the problem in Kansas City is huge, right? For one, tenants with vouchers already have a very limited number of options to, to choose from. There are affordability caps on the, the units that tenants with vouchers can apply to, right? Uh, we did a recent study of online rental ads and found that about 79% of all rental ads in Kansas City would be inaccessible off the jump for folks with vouchers, right? Because they're too expensive. Of the remaining 20% or so of rental properties that tenants with vouchers could apply to, one in five explicitly discriminated against them, mm -hmm. right? So we're removing a lot of choice and a lot of options from tenants in this town. And what happens then is the very few landlords in this town who will rent to tenants with vouchers have enormous power over those folks' lives because they know that their tenants do not have other options. Stacey, I'm coming to you here. Just, Edwin, just to clarify a point here, under this new ordinance, every landlord in the city would have to accept a voucher. They could not deny somebody just because they have the voucher. Brandon is correct that, um, and just as an example, you know, you have luxury apartments here in Kansas City. The, the rents that they're charged are far beyond what we, the federal limits allow for. So it really wouldn't, if somebody presented a voucher to them, they're not rejecting them because they have a voucher. It's rejected it because their rents are too. So are would every landlord have to go through the, the the process of being accepted into the Section Eight program if this ordinance passes. That's possible. I don't. Uh, that's something we'd have to wait and see how that would play out. But yeah. I think when we issue a voucher to an individual, we also they understand the income or excuse me the rental limitations. Um, based on their household size. You know, Stacy, have you heard directly from landlords that they plan to leave Kansas City if this ordinance winds up passing? Absolutely. And each time something, these radical laws are put into place in our city, we lose them. And I'll tell you the last one. Your uh, argument we, is that affordable housing stock, which is in such desperate, such a desperate need for it, will actually decline if this ordinance passes. That's absolutely right, because you're not going to force me to make a decision that I know is a bad decision on my investment. So before I would do that and be fined, and then put out of business, I will leave the market. My husband and I Has actually, it happened in other cities where it, these laws are going to place? It absolutely has. And we have some of our peers now talking about it. As a matter of fact, my first, my husband and I looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? Because we have a choice where we do business. I'm not forced to provide housing here. I choose to. When the um, right to counsel went into place, my husband and I looked at each other. We said, we're out. Because then the city actually put $2.5 million, the Kansas City KC tenants laws, $2.5 million to paying a, a a, an attorney on the back end of an eviction when it's too late, instead of using that same two and a half million dollars to provide rental assistance to keep that person housed. So my husband and I said that this is a city that's not serious about housing. I am in business to create housing. The okay. city needs me, and I will. And, and our peers will either find a way around this law, which hurts the actual people we're supposed to be trying to help, instead of staying in a, in a city where you're going to tell me that I can't look at credit scores, I can't look at eviction history. It's not true. Not, that's okay, absolutely. Say, let me true. just get one more question. You're saying where does someone go, someone who's got a felony or a voucher, if so many landlords aren't willing to take a chance on them. Many of them are. Like I said, my husband and I have Many of them are, but where does someone we, go if, if you're in that situation in the city today? There are programs now where people specialize in working with felons, for example. They specialize in working with different um, subcategories of the rental market. We are out here. They have not, the city has not asked us. They haven't said, hey, are you here? We, we're out here. Like I said, my husband and I will take people who've been evicted. If they, if they're, if they tell their story and it's acceptable, if they had 
got a low credit score, we'll work with them. With felons, we'll work with them. But you have to have a heart for that. And not every housing provider can be forced to doing that. We're not going to lose our businesses. This is my generational wealth being passed to future generations. Okay. It's my business. I'm going to run it smartly. I'm not going to have a group of people who've never owned a piece of real estate dictate how I do my business. And that's what this Steve, this Johnson County's program is successful. Brandon, they house- I got 15 seconds. Okay. Yeah. This, this idea that, you know, if this policy passes, we're going to lose housing stock in the city is one, just not true. It this is, is true. It's I'm telling never you. happened in any of the, you know, circumstances Stacey brought up. I just gave you an example. Okay. Policies uh, we're going to have to wrap to here. Help Again, tennis. a city council committee uh, takes a look at this, the full city council on this ordinance as early as Thursday. Get up, stand up.